Hello and welcome to another episode of Raise the Bar, the podcast from Next Chapter Ventures. We have a simple mission here, to get female founders funded faster. You can learn more at nextchapterraise.com. We welcome women-led businesses to join our Savvy Club for those working towards scale and Capital Club for those actively seeking investment. Get the tailored resources and coaching you need to find, negotiate with, and close the right investors for your business. Hello, I'm your host, Nicole Denholder, founder of Next Chapter Raise. On today's episode, I'm talking to Marion Hughes, one of our recent entrepreneurs in residence at Next Chapter Raise, and an award-winning entrepreneur and thought leader on transparency. As the founder and CEO of No Global, Marion's goal is to humanize the supply chain and reach 10 million factory workers globally. No Global works with brands who want to work with factories they can trust, factories who want to engage workers and get orders, and workers who want a good environment. No builds engagement with factory workers and reports on their well-being weekly, driving continuous improvements to help factories drive business and brands avoid costly scandals. Marion's journey into the heart of supply chain includes accidentally becoming a journalist and working at a factory in China. She was shortlisted for One Young World Entrepreneur of the Year in 2019, with conveners including Emma Watson and nominees including the founders of Duolingo and Bumble. Welcome, Marianne, to our podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. Good to be here. Now, Marianne, since founding No Global, you have successfully raised angel, government and VC funding. That comes from the UK Department of International Development, Humanity United, SOSB's China Accelerator, and Levi's, the company. But what's interesting is you've achieved all this while not being a very traditional founder in the normal startup space. You know, you're working in an emerging ESG area. You're a female founder in a male-led industry. You don't have the tech background. You're young compared to your startup peers. And you're also a sole founder, whereas investors typically are looking for two or more founders to invest in. So you're bringing this different and very diverse perspective to running your business. I mean, can you tell us about your journey and how you came about starting No Global? So it's definitely been a journey. I learned a lot along the way, made a lot of mistakes, as any entrepreneur will know. But yeah, I definitely feel like kind of going into the journey, actually, though, I didn't particularly identify myself as different anyway. And actually, when I started this out, my mum's from Finland, and there's a high level of equality in terms of women and men in society there. And so I genuinely didn't even question in my head that I'm doing this and I'm female until like a, a couple of years in when people started asking me questions like, oh, what's it like to be a female entrepreneur and to do these things? And to be honest, initially, I was a bit frustrated. And I was like, you know, why are you even asking me these questions? Like, it's just the same. But then I really started to understand the perspective of other kind of women around me. And I was like, oh, okay, maybe the way I think isn't kind of the standard. And actually, yeah, looking back, there definitely are some challenges I faced that perhaps I wouldn't have faced if I'd been a different gender. But it's definitely been a journey of growing and meeting incredible investors and people along the way who I'd really say are some of our kind of key supporters. You were this accidental journalist. I mean, how did that lead you into actually launching No Global? Well, basically, I started just out researching in the field. In 2012, about eight years ago now, Rana Plaza in Bangladesh collapsed. There was this big factory. Over a thousand people died. And I was just fascinated as a consumer standing on the street in London wondering, how is it possible I'm buying clothes from these shops and I have no clue who made them, what the munitions are like. So I just started a blog at the time. 
I literally thought no one would read it, that it would never go anywhere. But because I was the only person in the time, you know, really researching and doing a lot of this research publicly, I accidentally became a journalist. So I started writing for all these big media outlets and big national newspapers Landed myself a really amazing interview with Susie Menkes, the international director of Vogue. Just name a few of the incredible people I got to speak to, also from kind of corporate brands. And yeah, just started selling some of my work as a journalist. And yeah, that's kind of how I started. That's pretty amazing. I mean, what I love about you and No Global is that our philosophy at Next Chapter A's is that fundraising is a journey and not just a one-off event. And I feel like you were no global and nearly a poster child for us in terms of your fundraising story. You've received angel investment, you've joined the China Accelerator, and are now fundraising with venture capital firms and institutional investors. Mm -hmm. I'd love to go through those experiences, starting with your angel investment experience, because that's what we do here on the Next Chapter Raise, Raise the Bar podcast, is looking at women and their fundraising experiences. So can you share what led you to take on angel investment and what that experience was like? Yeah, so angel investment for me was definitely about meeting people who were also passionate about similar things than me, especially in terms of the supply chain. So after I'd kind of started my blog, I went back to London and I worked in the field for a year. I shadowed the founder of a fast-paced tech company called Giving Force, and I basically got to really see the corporate side of the whole industry as well in terms of corporate social responsibility and kind of network and I was also kind of working on my own idea which was part of the arrangement it was an entrepreneur's program that I did immediately after graduating from uni and so that really supported me to get to know more about starting a business as well and then basically by going to these events I naturally came across people who were passionate about similar things and just a meeting from one guy in an event led to then us kind of deciding like okay let's do this. Like, do you want to invest and let's start this? But to be honest, I wasn't exactly looking for investment at the time. I think I was just incredibly passionate. And I've always known I wanted to be an entrepreneur. And I actually started my first business age 18 in university before this. So it was always my mindset to really go for it. But I think really meeting the right people and them actually encouraging me. My first angel investor, I think, saw something in me even before I saw it in myself, I think, to an extent. And that he really kind of pushed and encouraged me to take that extra leap and actually go and move to China to really start this business, which is how I'm here now. So, yeah, I'm really grateful for that. I mean, that's pretty amazing. And it's nice to hear these stories of a number of factors coming together at the right time. And so what happened between you moving to China, starting No Global, I suppose, officially, as you're saying, and then moving on and getting involved with the China Accelerator? Because that's a very different way to receive investment as you're part of a program with other founders for a very set time. I mean, how did China Accelerator support your business and how did that investment process work for you? So China was definitely like a whirlwind experience for me. I literally landed in China, thought I was going to be there for a couple of weeks to kind of visit factories, ended up living there for almost a couple of years. So I actually got employed in the factory, like really got to understand like life for the workers. So in context, I'm not just a female doing this, but I was also addressing a very tough challenge in terms of factory worker environments, constantly being around males who were kind of in this factory male dominated environment and really getting my hands dirty in the details, whilst also being in a completely foreign culture within China. So you can imagine me, you know, literally living in Shenzhen, like one of the fastest growing cities in the world, as a foreign white female, trying to start a business in a country that primarily does not speak English. So I had to learn Chinese to even speak to my potential customers. 
But yeah, going back to the investment, like that really was key because my first angel investor also has a company in China. So he was able to set me up with a lot of different connections. I was able to also visit a lot of factories on the ground and really get stuck in. So the investment for me was way more than just the money. It was also the support on the ground in a foreign country, which would have been incredibly tough otherwise. And then through kind of being in China, I got involved with a lot of the kind of startup scene out there, which I find so exciting and fast paced and came across China Accelerator, which is one of the top accelerators in Asia, the first accelerator program in China. And their expertise in terms of all the years they've got of helping startups grow in China is incredible. So I think one of the main things that we benefited from there was also like the mentorship, the massive access to potential partners, brands, manufacturers, but also just like a really intensive kind of challenging environment. And that's what kind of surprised me most about it. And that I think being an entrepreneur, you're kind of in your own head a lot of the time. And then when you're put in an accelerator environment, you're constantly challenged and everything is up for debate. And so I really loved how they kind of stripped us back and really questioned all of our assumptions about the business model and what our customers really want and what they need. And so I really had to kind of adapt and be willing to kind of throw away things I'd built or things that I was passionate about and you get attached to things as an entrepreneur as well. But you just have to be willing to let go and really put your customer first and their kind of needs first. So it was really a humbling experience overall. You really have to let go of your ego in order to really succeed as an entrepreneur, I think. There's so many fantastic points you make there. I think a key one when we talk to a lot of female founders that you're bringing out is that what external capital can bring to you is not just money, but it's the networks or connections or support. Or actually, what I really like what you're talking about that you had from China Accelerator was that challenging environment, particularly when anyone is a sole founder. As you say, we can be working alone or, you know, working in a way that doesn't challenge us to be always asking ourselves in an objective way is this where we should be going I think that would have been a fantastic experience I mean did you find that you pivoted as you went through the program yeah definitely I think I really wasn't expecting to be challenged that level it was really really good for me though like really healthy I think to actually really be challenged and yeah we pivoted quite a bit the product kind of in its nature has changed quite a lot but yeah it's also kind of been inspired by meeting people along the way and in our field, in terms of worker transparency and factory workers, there genuinely has not been much done, although I know that's what every entrepreneur says. But, you know, there's comparative models, but getting to know this factory worker demographic has been so challenging and really trying to create a solution that works for their needs. So I think also doing the whole customer interview process has been what's led to a lot of the kind of product development too. Would you say that from when you went to China and you thought maybe you would be starting with some interviews on the ground for a few weeks, ended up moving there to where you are today. Has that been a longer journey than you expected? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I would even take it back seven, eight years ago to when I started this blog and really kind of went deep into the field. So I think it's definitely been a work of passion and kind of just genuine curiosity. And I think that's one of the traits every entrepreneur needs, like genuine curiosity to get to the heart and the root of the problem. And I think I'm just really passionate, not about just building a business that will actually solve a short-term problem, but be a long-term fix. And so one of the things we really do at No Global is really just try and get to the root causes of everything. No matter what the workers are reporting or the challenges that they're facing, it's about really trying to understand over the longer term, how are we really going to try and make systemic change happen? So that's what makes our vision kind of bold and ambitious, which I think is really what the venture capital funders are looking for in particular. So, you know, we have a very bold vision and mission and 
yeah, happy to also share that we've recently raised funding from another venture capital fund called Sovereigns Capital, which is a Indonesian American fund, which has been really exciting too. Congratulations on that. <laughs> you heard that first mm. thing possibly. I mean, that's fantastic news. And it does talk to the fact that you have the passion, the vision, but also you have the ability to execute. And dare I say, you've kept going because that is one of the challenges for any entrepreneur is going through the highs and the lows and mm. continuing on through that journey. And now you're being recognized for all of the effort you've put in and really trying to build, as you say, a solution to a major problem that mm. is on quite a large scale. So congratulations. Oh, thanks. I mean, I really would say it's down to an incredible team now as well. And I feel so fortunate to have now kind of finally built an amazing team and, and they're building solutions around me. And I think it goes back to that common saying, hire people who are smarter than you at specific things. And I think that's been one of my main challenges, really, finding a solid team, especially with trying to set this up in China. But then coming back to Hong Kong has been amazing for me because this is where I actually studied as a student as well for a year. So I really kind of had that exposure to Hong Kong and the market out here. But I think it is also a tougher environment to be an entrepreneur in general out here. I mean, how did you go around identifying and researching the right investor? Yes, yeah, good question. I think for me, because I had all of these years in the field, I already kind of established myself, I guess, in the space. And so initially kind of finding angel investors in the space from my initial angel investors was already kind of connected to great people in the field who were also interested to kind of co-invest or get involved, but also even through friends, to be honest. I, I have had a couple of angel investors come through simply being friends and people I met either through studying or jobs and things who then, you know, either their family would invest or they would be interested themselves. So that's been really fortunate and really makes a big difference, I think, when you have people who you genuinely trust as well, who are investing with you and supporting you through the ups and the downs. That's fantastic to hear, Marion. And in terms of those investors, how did you go around doing some of the negotiation and building out that process? Because that's one of the things we talk to female founders a lot is the fundraising process. You know, there's a lot of areas many people aren't familiar with, negotiating equity, valuing the company, how much money to ask for. I mean, how have you approached these areas when you've gone through the fundraising process? That's an amazing question. And I really wish that I had had known more before going into it initially. I definitely just felt kind of like sometimes I had no clue what was going on, to be really honest. <laughs> and so I've made some mistakes for sure. But I think it's also then about getting good advisors around you, people who have also been through this and done it before. And then just really asking questions and not being afraid to look silly or seem like you don't know the answers. Because there's so many terms, like technical terms that get thrown in there. Where I'm just like, I have no clue what that word means. But I find myself now using these terms, which I'm really proud of. <laughs> Although I know what it's like initially going into it because there's a lot to get your head around. But I think looking back, I wish I had asked more questions. I also took some bad legal advice at some points. So I could have saved myself a lot of legal fees and money by actually getting educated on these terms myself. And I think having advisors and peers around you who are also female entrepreneurs is another way to kind of just really ask those questions that you're embarrassed to ask and just be like, what does this mean? And yeah, I think just really keeping it simple in your head as well. Like I don't, I don't mess around and try to pretend that I know what all these things mean. I'm just genuinely like, I don't mind seeming silly. I'll just ask you what that means. 
And I've even done that in kind of like a more serious VC environment too. If I don't understand what it means, I will ask because you want to be very clear on what you're signing up for. Yeah, it's great to hear that because it's one of the things we talk about in our Capital Club where we help women through the fundraising process is how do you feel confident about asking questions? Because you should be able to ask any question in this cycle. Building the Mm -hmm. confidence to be sitting at the table, driving that conversation. Because often we're working with investors who do this all the time. And so they understand the process so much better. So it is really important to be building that confidence and asking the right questions um, and surrounding yourself with people around you. So it's a really important point. And it is hard as startups often to find the right advice to know, is that the right lawyer to help me or the right accountant? It's always new, right? Yeah. And I mean, just to add to that, one of the kind of main things I really wanted to get across during our conversation today was just about recognizing your own value. And I think that one of the really enjoyable things for me about fundraising, like I actually do enjoy it. I actually think it's really interesting to meet people and also like for me to reflect on my journey throughout fundraising. I think it really helps you to recognize your own value. A lot of what we're doing sometimes is about pitching for the other person and trying to convince the investor to invest in us. But I think you really have to recognize you are putting a lot on the table yourself as well. You have a huge amount of value that you're putting up and it's a two-way street. And I think just as much as you are pitching to the investor, you should also be asking them questions and really saying, okay, what are you going to bring to the table? And, you know, aside from the money, like what else are we talking about here? Really putting yourself out there as an equal partner as well. Okay, I love that. It's going to be one of our key takeaways is being an equal partner in the fundraising process and therefore an equal partner going through the journey of building that business. If you take them on as an investor, that's what we've always got to keep in mind that any investor becomes part of our own business journey, right? Yeah. And I also think it's about really maintaining that abundance mindset. And I think if you're worried about there not being enough money or there not being an investor or there not being the right fit or the right person, like that automatically is going to hit your confidence. But I think if you're genuinely going out there and you genuinely believe that I have something so valuable to put on the table, there's going to be investors jumping at it. There's going to be people wanting to be a part of this. And you genuinely believe that in your heart. You have to believe it first. But if you genuinely go into the room with that attitude and it's not a fake attitude, it has to come from the heart, it has to be real, then I think the conversation really changes. And then I think you also just make the conversation happen quicker with investors because you can so easily tell what's a fit. And I think as much of the investment process is about identifying the no's as quickly as possible, as well as identifying the yeses. And the quicker you can get to a no, the more time you're actually saving yourself. Yeah, that's interesting you say the no's and the yes, because we often talk to founders who continually get a maybe. I mean, have you had that and how have you addressed that? I think for me, if I genuinely wanted it, I have persisted. And I think throughout my whole kind of career or life, I've been very intentional and focused. And I do remember even looking back, just literally focusing on like one opportunity at a time or one person or one focus or one business opportunity, whatever it was. And I would only choose that as a focus if I genuinely knew that all the values lined up, all of the opportunities lined up. And if I thought that person was genuinely interested, I would persist with that person. I would be like, you know, let's chat. Let's try and work out if this is something we want to do or not. And, you know, I really thought we could be. And just, again, coming from it from a genuine place of wanting to build the relationship with the person rather than just trying to get the funding. I think that's what it's all about as well, like genuinely wanting to invest and having a relationship with what at the end of the day is a human being, not just an investor. Yeah. And you've also used those two words that are 
very powerful when running a business, but very difficult, which is being intentional and being focused because entrepreneurs start something, they're seeing how it goes, there's some pivoting. They're two very challenging aspects to bring to a business. So I think that's really inspiring that you've not only brought that to fundraising, but you've brought that to your business. And I think that's a key takeaway we can all think about is, are we being intentional on, yes, our customer targeting or the next project we're focused on to move forward with our businesses? It's something I still struggle on a daily basis. And actually, that's something that I have got as feedback from some of my investors. So I do have a close relationship with some of my investors and that they do give me very direct, sometimes harsh, but loving feedback. And yeah, getting distracted is definitely something that I think I struggled with in the past. And just so many opportunities always. And there'll always be people knocking on your door. But I think it's about closing the right doors and just, yeah, trusting the right doors will be opened as well. That's fantastic that you're doing that. Just thinking about the fundraising that you've received, was there any impact on your business that you didn't expect that has happened because of fundraising? such a good question. So many things. I think I'd actually say it would be the relationships that have come out of it. I think I didn't expect that so many of the people perhaps would turn out to be kind of long-term influences on my life. And I say that because I can genuinely see how I've grown by walking alongside these people. And I think the great thing about raising investment is that you do get to reach out to people who potentially you might not otherwise like really influential, experienced, senior people. And I think by doing that and getting them invested in your concept, you're also getting their brain. And if they're invested, they are by default wanting to help you succeed. And that's why I think you get that honest feedback. And I think if I was working in a career someplace, I might not get such direct, honest feedback. And I think as an entrepreneur, one of the scary things is that you are constantly putting yourself out there for criticism. But I think if you genuinely believe you're doing the best thing and you're doing the right thing and you're willing to be humble about it I think you can actually grow so much through your investors well thank you for sharing that so we're so excited you've been on our podcast today so before we finish up what's next for you and no global I'd say for us it's really about refining our product at the moment and then like looking forward to expansion so we're already active in China that's where we started we launched in India in January and then Vietnam in July So, yeah, I'm really excited to see the team growing around this. And then, yeah, we've just closed some funding, but we're looking for more funding now to close our round. So I'm really excited for what's next and really just enjoying the journey and all the ups and downs that come with it as well. So, yeah. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for being on our podcast today and sharing all of those insights and sharing your news about your recent fundraising. So congratulations on that. And we look forward to hearing more, being in touch and just seeing No Global grow. Yeah, no, thank you. I've loved being part of this and just hope it inspires and encourages people and love to be part of the Next Chapter Raise community. Great. Thank you so much. Join us next time for another conversation with female entrepreneurs and investors who are shaking things up. To connect with Next Chapter, follow us on social, visit the platform at nextchapterraise.com and subscribe to the podcast for more great stories to inspire, empower, and celebrate female entrepreneurs.